I'm going to do this. I'm going to run for the United States Senate. The time is now for fresh ideas and new leadership. I'm running for student council because of you and for you. And that is why I stand before you today to announce my candidacy for president of the United States of America. Welcome to the Arena Talks podcast, where we interview emerging political leaders from across the country. This is Ravi Gupta, the co-founder of the Arena, and today I interview Haley Stevens, candidate for Michigan's 11th Congressional District. In this interview, Haley talks about growing up in Michigan, uh, her journey from Michigan to the Obama administration, where she served as chief of staff to the auto task force, and then she talks about her decision to jump in the Arena as a candidate for office. So let's jump in. Haley Stevens, welcome to the Arena Talks podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. So you're now a few months into a run for Michigan's 11th Congressional District, uh, and that covers parts of suburban uh, Michigan areas around Detroit. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the district. Yeah, Michigan's District 11 is uh, in Oakland and Wayne counties. It's towns that range anywhere from about 10,000 to 90,000 people. most people are employed in manufacturing, some healthcare IT and education jobs, certainly. We've got great school districts from, you know, Canton and Plymouth all the way up to Novi and then over to Birmingham, Bloomfield and, and Waterford. Um, it's a, it's a phenomenal district. It's, in my opinion, the best place in the world to be. And so you grew up in Michigan and you have you know, we'll get to a lot of the details here, but you've been involved in public service essentially your whole life. You know, what was it about your experience as a kid growing up in Michigan that drove that eventual interest in public service? Yeah, I, when growing up in Rochester Hills in Birmingham, Michigan, I loved history. And I think it was really learning about the political process, our governing system, as well as great members of Congress that really inspired me to, um, I think from a very young age, start uh, volunteering in different capacities. I was on student government. I started the diversity club. I started a peer mediation group. I was always, uh, you know, allowed to and, and afforded the ability to, to get involved and to do something. And, you know, although you were, you were raised in Michigan, you decided to go to D.C. for college. Uh, did you go to D.C. because you knew you wanted to work in government? Yeah, right at the end of my senior year, uh, well, towards the end when you're deciding where you want to go to school, I had uh, gotten into three great universities, Michigan State, University of Wisconsin-Madison, and American University. And I took a look at all of them, and I was really excited about the possibility of 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 each school, um, but it was going to American University and, and seeing their public, uh, public, the school of public affairs that really opened my eyes to this. Oh my gosh, I could go and study political science, which I knew I wanted to do because I wanted to get involved in public service. I was school treasurer and I was high school graduation speaker. And so 17 years old and I, I just made that decision to, to leave home. And Ravi, that ended up being uh, three weeks before 9-11 when I got to Washington, D.C. And, and got to American University. Wow. And, you know, you didn't just go to school in D.C. You wound up working uh, on some campaigns and found yourself back uh, working in the Obama administration on 
some initiatives that you know weren't just important federally, but also locally to Michigan. Um, tell us a little bit about that trajectory from college to the administration. Yeah, I I think for for some people, you know, when they they leave home, they kind of lose touch, or they you know maybe find themselves uh, you know interested in other things. Uh, for me, it was always about where I was from. So when it was 2006, and I was in graduate school, and looking at um, what what could I, you know, get involved with politically and kind of pounding on the door to the, to the Michigan Democratic Party uh, with my resume, which was kind of filled with a lot of different campaign volunteer jobs and, and Capitol Hill internship. And they said, well, we'd really love to you know, uh, have you on board, but we're going to send you to the other side of the state, which was Grand Rapids. And I, you know, did, um, uh, you know, field organizing out there and then kind of coming back and, you know, recognizing, okay, we got a job to finish up here, which is, you know, this exciting, uh, presidential election and kind of making my way all, all the way through that and onto President Obama's transition and, you know, standing at the forefront of the federal government during kind of an unbelievable time in our country's history, which was this, uh, you know, recession where hundreds of thousands of jobs were being lost and there were some big questions about our country's auto, automotive sector, our country's industrial base. And thinking back to that field organizing job I had in Michigan several years prior where I worked alongside the United Auto Workers Union. And all I could think about, Ravi, was Michigan. And all I could think about was where I was from. And so, you know, when we were making those decisions, I, I got asked to, to work on the auto rescue, um, in part because I was the person from Michigan and I had been working on these, uh, you know, economic policy topics and kind of had some of that on the ground understanding of um, maybe how we could solve this this pretty large challenge, which was that Chrysler and GM were, were facing bankruptcy. And so, you know, now we've watched uh, about a decade go by since the, uh, the uh, rescue of the auto industry Tell us what's what's been going on. So we, we saw back then that the auto industry was under threat from uh, a lot of different forces, you know, whether it was the larger economy, but also competition from uh, foreign players who were making smaller, more fuel efficient cars. And it seems like now the big talk in Detroit and around Michigan is automation and self-driving cars. Um, is that what you're hearing on the ground right now? Yeah, I, people are excited about Michigan's capability, and particularly southeastern Michigan, where I'm running. Uh, they're excited about uh, Michigan's ability to lead and our ability to lead on innovation as we did last century and as we'll, we'll do again. And if you, if you look at this, Ravi, there's 75% of autonomous vehicle R&D taking place right here, right in my district. And one of the, you know, yeah, and one of the best uh, stories that's often untold is all these um, automotive uh, workers and executives who 
in the downturn and when the industry was, you know, uh, kind of transforming, they started their own businesses. And so their companies like Detroit Materials and Op Solutions, uh, which is uh, run by a man named Paul Reisner, that's located in Wixom, Michigan, an incredible part of my my district that has a lot of high-end innovation. And what you, what you have with companies like Ops is new technology that's uh, connecting the way in which materials or, or goods are made through light-guided simulation. And so in Michigan, it's the opportunity with the technology, um, not necessarily the tremor of fear that none of us are going to be employed. It's how do we lead? And even our state has really prepared at a governance level uh, to be able to uh to, to absorb autonomous vehicle technology and for, for, uh, the testing and, and the eventual, um, yeah, u- utilization of that type of technology. And so in, in Michigan, you see world-class workforce, uh, growth of small and mid-sized manufacturers, and then the leadership out of the original equipment manufacturers like General Motors and, and, and Chrysler and Ford that are really making some big, big bets on the future. That, will all come out of the car capital of the world right here. Wow. So think back, you know, at the at the time Obama takes office, 2009 in Michigan, you know, in addition to this question of the the crisis in the auto industry, there was a foreclosure crisis going on um, in and around your district. And interestingly, you've now announced and you're running a few months into running against David Trott who's a, an incumbent Republican in the 11th district. He has a, uh, a history with the foreclosure industry. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, Dave, Dave Trout was elected in, in 2014 and, it, you know, he was, he was elected under the banner of uh, being a foreclosure king and, and being somebody that whose business enterprise Trot and Trot, uh, foreclosed on tens and tens of thousands of, um, individuals a lot and in the, uh, you know, southeastern Michigan corridor. And it's, it's people who I meet frequently out on the campaign trail, um, who, who, you know, received that type of notification that their, their home was being foreclosed. And it's quite the contrast, right? Which is that Dave Trott was kind of profiting off of the worst of the recession, whereas I was proving myself as a job creator and as an innovator and as somebody who has worked at the intersection of, of government and industry for, for outcomes and know, knows where the government can come in as a strategic, uh, you know, investment partner. Whereas, you know, Dave Trott, unfortunately, his um, business record really speaks for itself. And so what do you think his appeal was to voters in your district that you're eventually going to have to win over? Um, why would they vote for somebody who uh, made his living that way? You know, I, I, th- I think it was something that was that was well documented, but people maybe saw him as a little bit more of, of a moderate. Um, you know, I think there was some hope that he would have been somebody that the Obama administration could work with, as well as maybe somebody who would have stood up to some of the uh, more abhorrent elements of the uh, tr- Trump administration. And so you go through the campaign cycle and you have somebody like Dave Trott who hasn't disavowed 
thing that Donald Trump said on the campaign trail, which is just so unfortunate because there were really some uh, awful things that were, were said by our, our now president um, on the campaign trail. And then you have him now in, in the, the White House and you have Dave Trott standing right behind him in the Rose Garden after they passed the, uh, you know, repeal of the ACA. And, and so what, you, what you're hearing from people now, and I even get this, Robbie, on occasion, is, oh, geez, I, you know, I, I, I voted for him. I didn't realize who I was voting for at the time. And so yeah. part of it is, you, you know, you can tell, uh, tell these stories and, you, you know, you can paint these pictures. And then you certainly can also give, give people hope around a fresh voice and a, and a new opportunity, uh, which is what I am doing and why I'm running for this seat. You know, one thing, um, you know, Ken Harbaugh is running in Ohio, in Ohio uh, for Congress, somebody you know, uh, is running in a district that also went for Trump and, and went so uh, pretty overwhelmingly uh, in the last election. He said something interesting the other day, which is he said he felt that there was a subset of Trump voters in his district that um, weren't necessarily voting for the man, but were uh, making a protest vote, as he saw it. Um is that something that you're seeing on the ground? You know, people who, who were just basically fed up with the system and, and that's what animated their vote? Yeah, I, I think that there's, there's a, certainly people are, are fed up with the, the negativity and, and there, there was a little bit of, let's try something different. Um, my own father voted for Donald Trump. Mm, and yeah, I, mine too. Mine too. Right. right yeah, yeah. And my dad is one of my best friends and is, is one of my biggest champions and couldn't be more excited about what I'm, I'm doing. And I, I took that Ravi as, you know, an opportunity to, to hear from some, someone directly around why they would vote for, for Donald Trump. And, and some of this is attached to this great decoupling, which is that, sure, Michigan has made its way out of the Great Recession and that we're now back to stable employment levels and unemployment, you know, even hovers around uh, under 4%. But what, what you have is that there's only been a small group of people who have made money since the late 90s and have really seen um, that kind of earned income and, and earn, earn value on, on their wages. And it, it's a, a sticking point that is, that is almost hard to campaign to. But what you hear from people is that this is, this is something different and this is, you know, Somebody who, you know, might be able from, you know, if it was the Bush years, the Obama years to now, it's my life and my quality of life and this attachment to the American dream has, has been challenged. And, um, you know, that, that's more so what I'm picking up on. And I always make a point to reach across. And so if I see people at different events or if I, if I get asked, I say, bring me into that living room. I, I absolutely am ready and I will shoulder that conversation to talk with people who didn't vote the way you thought they should have. And what's also working, Robbie, is that I I have the privilege to be running as a woman in manufacturing and a woman with a science, technology, engineering, and mathematics background, right? From creating the country's first training program for digital manufacturing um, or creating, uh, you know, middle school and high school education programs to expose students to digital manufacturing. You know, that's what I'm bringing to this. And those aren't heavily partisan topics. You know, the future of work, our workforce development, our economic 
economic development. I, I think that's a pretty compelling message that lines very nicely with the needs and, and desires of my district. And so, you know, speaking of the, the needs and desires of the district, your opponent uh, voted to repeal uh, the Affordable Health Care Act uh, or the Affordable Care Act. What is uh, what was his rationale for that, if he gave any? And, you know, what what have you been hearing out there? Is he is he getting out there doing town halls and explaining his vote to the, the members of your district? Well, one of the things that we're, we're hearing from Dave Trott is uh, that he, he said, well, we, we didn't vote for a good bill, <laughs> but oh, interesting. But then, right. But then why did you vote for it? And, um, you know, some of this is just attached to the to the you know regular conservative arguments. And, you know, you can look at polls and you can look at the litmus of uh, just neighbor to neighbor conversations. And and I can't tell you how much I hear from people in Livonia all the way up to Milford and, you know, over to Troy, which are all parts of my district that people are worried about this repeal and what it means to uh, the Medicaid funding that goes into schools. Uh, they're worried about what it means for pre-existing conditions. Um, and people are also just worried about what this means for their regular care. I mean, my, my brother is on, um, you know, quote unquote, Obamacare, right? And I have friends and I have people who I've met on the campaign trail who have benefited from this. And so there's there's a disconnect with what's going on. And that disconnect extends into this, you know, it was a hurtful election, there's change underway, and people are eager to know uh, what what's happening. And what Dave Trott is showing us over and over again is this kind of lack of willingness to engage. And I, 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 I can't explain enough how, how opposite that is of who I am, which is when I was working on the auto rescue, I was picking up every phone call that came to my desk and talking to people and letting them cry with me, you know, or to me rather, letting people tell me their fears. And whereas Dave Trot not only doesn't pick up the phone, it has one town hall, leaves half the people who show up out in the freezing cold, much, much, you know, to, to the dismay of many and, you know, gets it's caught on, you know, this mic issue with, you know, his advisor saying we're going to paint everybody in here as un-American. That's an embarrassment. That isn't leadership. That isn't public service. That's gamesmanship. You know, I think of the famous Jason Kander line. I say it's famous because it's it, it so resonated with me, which is, you know, you can always call me. And I will always pick up the phone. I will always listen to what you have to say. And I will take it into consideration. You know, that is the mantra of public service today. That is where we need to go. That is where we're going to get over these divisions and these disagreements. And that is how we're going to deliver for a place like Michigan's 11th district. And so, you know, speaking of that sort of retail politics and, and constituent services that you're talking about, uh, that Jason uh, alluded to at Arena, you're, you know, I'm I, I, I'm thinking about like who, I can't even think of a, another candidate out there right now who is harder working than you are. Like I remember when we're in um, Detroit for the Arena Summit, you're walking around with your clipboard on, um, just signing folks up right then and there while everybody else is partying. Uh, you know, you reply to emails at all hours of the night. Where do you get that drive from? Where does that come from? I love people. I am a people person. And I'm a believer in, in people. 
And I, I'm also an extrovert. <laughs> so, so I get my, what that means, right, is I get energy from people. And there, there's no greater honor than to step up and and uh, put your name on on a ballot. And what that means is it means it's something bigger than you, and it's something about the people you're looking to represent, and about a region and what you can get done. And and so for me, this just flows so naturally from who I've always been. It is truly. Uh, one of the best jobs, if not the best job I have ever had. You know, I, I, I sometimes pinch myself driving home that I get to exchange with people all day and that I get to run this narrative issues based campaign, Ravi. You know, it's collecting stories. It's hearing from people, um, which, which is what's going to get this job done. And what are you hearing out there? Like, what are, what are some surprising, uh, or at least maybe not surprising to you, but what are some, issues or or things that you're hearing out there from from voters that you're meeting including uh, people who voted for Trump you know Republicans that 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 you think might surprise some of our listeners yeah I you know there's 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 no big smoking gun or anything along those lines one of the more um, uh, you know eye-opening things that that's happened on the on the campaign trail when you're you know really trying to leave no rock on turn where you're gonna go to that hard to get to neighborhood or that you know um, after work hours event where there's you know a few people there that you know may or, may or may not you know be wanting to get involved but you know you got to get in touch with them and you got to hear you got to get your your finger on the pulse and and one of those things is is that a few people have been saying i i've had enough you know i'm i'm here in my cul-de-sac i'm here in my neighborhood and i just don't even know what's going on in washington anymore and i'm sick of it and i don't want to talk about it and and i share that because something disheartening has happened and we've got to reclaim that we've got to look at this as public private partnership if not but for where the government can come in. And not that we want the government always crawling around in every aspect of our lives, but but making things better, collaborating with people, meeting them where they're at. You know, I'll hear about efficiency and I'm the first one to, you know, grab onto that efficiency claim and say, absolutely, we can streamline some of these, you know, uh, government agencies and, and departments. You know, I, I worked on that at the U.S. Department of Commerce. You know, I was a part of that. Um, you know, and, and then there's the, the there's the the eye-opening things, which is my district, Ravi, is almost 30% under 18, right? It, it is a youth-driven district. And there's no greater moment than right now to talk about the future. And there's no greater moment than to put an emphasis on what we can do for our community to make children's lives better and to make it so that they can come here and live and work here. You know, that's the question on so many people's minds, so many parents' minds, is what about my kids? You know, how are they going to compete? What jobs are they going to have? How are we going to afford to send them to school first to get that job? You know, what's that on-ramp? And, uh, you know, in transitioning from that, you know, we have a, uh, a series of questions. We, it's almost like a, a lightning round of questions. Uh, answer these as quickly as you can, but and I understand that some of these will require some explanation. So do what you can. 
Um, first, first question is what's one view that you hold that isn't widely popular and you think may even cost you some votes, but, um, you're going to be upfront about it anyway. I am willing to work with whoever is president to get things done. I, I honestly believe that if we're going to pass a compelling smart infrastructure agenda, that is going to put people in Michigan into good paying jobs and to grow our regional economy and make our company shine. I've got to work with who's ever in the Oval Office to do that because that's how our system's designed. And second question is, you know, what's one issue that you are obsessed with that you don't think gets enough attention in Washington, including within your own party, the Democratic Party? So the word is collaboration. And what I mean by that, because I, I think that we're, you know, always going to talk about uh, compromising and breaking down barriers. But if if you look at the the the, the industry that I've I've come out of to, to run for office, manufacturing, advanced manufacturing, and we're we're in industry 4.0, the fourth industrial revolution, which by and large, from the from McKinsey to the World Economic Forum to the companies themselves, they're saying collaboration is the way in which we're going to continue to innovate into the future. You know, we're going to have competitor companies and uh, universities from coast to coast kind of coming together to work on uh, R&D, to work on new solutions, to work with large data sets, to work with intelligent machining. And so I believe that collaboration is, you know, in these unlikely partnerships, these unlikely alliances are, are, are the, the way in which we will get things done. And so while I'll be squarely focused focused on passing legislation and putting forward, uh, you know, a, a good budget as a member of Congress. I'm also going to be looking at convening and collaborating, um, uh, you know, these, these unlikely partners to address some large challenges like how do we solve cancer? How do we move past one in two men getting cancer in their lifetime, one in three women? It's through collaboration. And uh, last question for you, you know, if all goes well and you win and you're the incumbent next time around, what's going to be the message of that campaign? So what, what will your record be in your first term in office? My message is going to be Michigan first, uh, the Michigan innovation story and, uh, you know, the world class workforce and uh, education system that we have. And so I think this will the message will be that. You matter. Your life matters. The value of your work matters. Um, your access to healthcare matters, and our environment, uh, our very region matters, and, and 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 is and is being addressed and worked on from my office on Capitol Hill. And so, Haley, uh, in closing, so we're going to put a, a link to uh, donate to your campaign uh, on our spotlight page on our website. But beyond uh, giving, uh, what are other ways that folks can get involved in your campaign at this early stage? Yeah, great question. Thank you so much for asking. Um, I have tweeters, uh, you know, Twitter users for for Haley. Um, we have I, I have the, the the message of social media for good. And so I love to connect with people on social media. I spell Haley, H-A-L-E-Y. And so it's Haley Live is my Twitter handle because I believe in accessibility as, as a path for proven le leadership. And so uh, connect on through Twitter, 
Facebook, Instagram, I'm even on Snapchat, although that's a, <laughs> a little bit of a, you know, a different tool when you're on the campaign trail. But I, 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 I love sharing and, um, you know, putting forward our, our messages through, through social media. And then I also love to hear uh, people's ideas. You know, you can't assume in this um, environment where you can kind of get access to all information that you're, you're, you're really, you really are. And so people, it, it's so great. People send me things, they share articles, they exchange that mean, means so much. And that also means, you know, we are having people, you know, do research and um, just kind of connect into to our campaign in all sorts of meaningful ways. And then soon we'll start, you know, the remote, you know, uh, phone program and also inviting people in into Michigan. I'll invite every single person in to come and knock some doors as a volunteer on, on my campaign and see our beautiful neighborhoods here and engage people in a meaningful dialogue. There is nothing greater than uh, knocking on somebody's door and uh, asking them not only for a vote, but asking them what matters to them and how we can make their lives better. Well, Haley, thank you for jumping in the arena. Good luck out there. Thank you.